Hello, and welcome to the Antioch Fort Worth weekly podcast. At Antioch, our desire is to cultivate a passion for Jesus and his purposes on the earth. To connect with us in community, partner with us through giving, or visit on a Sunday morning, please visit AntiochFortWorth.com. Good morning and welcome to all who are worshiping with us online. We're glad you're here. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm really humbled and honored to share with you guys today. I do feel like the Lord's given me a word of encouragement for, for all of us. It's encouraged me <laughs> this week as I've, last couple weeks as I've been preparing, I've been encouraged. The Lord has stirred in my heart faith. I want to show you guys my family, a couple of recent family pictures, and it's hard to get all of us together, so I have a couple, but starting on the left, my daughter, Addie, who's a new mom, Cameron, who just graduated with a master's in arts management from Carnegie Mellon, uh, Eric, my amazing husband, I just have to stop and say that he is literally the kindest man on the earth And if you haven't met him or gotten to know him yet, you need to. And then we've got Levi, who just graduated from high school. Ian is a sophomore at Abilene Christian. And then, next slide. Got a few more pictures. And we've got David, who's my amazing son-in-law, who is a web designer extraordinaire, um, and a, the redhead here, Red Raider, is Hannah. She is a junior architect major at Texas Tech. And then, y'all, is he not the cutest baby you've ever seen? He is. It's the joy. I mean, being a grandma is the joy, really, just the joy and delight. That's Oren Wires. He's almost, he's 10 months. He's, he's getting just so fun. So... Thanks for letting me indulge you with those pictures. I'm really, really proud of each of them, and I'm really thankful for them. I drink a sip of water. So we're in the middle of a summer sermon series called Finding Yourselves in God's Story. I think, I don't know about you guys, but I've been super encouraged by the testimonies of God's work. I've been challenged. I've, I've said yes to invitations. I've loved people that I might not have stopped and loved before because of Sandy's message. My heart's been stirred by the things that we've heard. And um, I, you know, one of the things I've prayed a lot for this year um, has been that we would testify more to God's goodness, that we would testify to one another because testimony stirs faith. When we testify of the Lord's goodness, something happens in us that that rises up faith. I'm going to believe. And and if I do nothing else today, I want to ignite some faith in us because God is moving. He hears our prayers and he's moving. He's good. He's good. So I, I felt like the Lord wanted me to talk about him for a minute because this is all about him. So the Lord, y'all, he's king. He's robed in majesty. He's armed with strength. His throne has stood forever and stands forever. And he's still reigning right now. 
He's mightier. He's mightier, y'all, than the raging of the seas around us. I just want to remind us that the king, our Jesus, our Lord, he's reigning. And that's the author of our story. He's the author of my story. He's the author of your story. He's the author of Antioch's story. He's the one writing it. He's the one rewriting it. And he's so gracious. He's loving. He's kind. And he is for you. He is for each of you. He's for us. And it's so beautiful to all that we get to be a part of each other's story. How fun is that? Like I loved Emily sharing the story of the miracle of those little girls because I got to be a part of that story. So many of us in this room were a part of that story. And y'all, we are a part of each other's story. And you guys have been a part of my story. There were times that your prayers carried me. And so when I look out at you and I'm sharing my story, I just want to say, you guys are a part of my story. This is even your story. So Micah said I've been at the end, at part of this church for the last 22 years, and many of those years were spent overseas in Eastern Europe on the mission field. Been back here the last nine years. Y'all, I'm from Georgia, so Texas feels like a foreign country sometimes. <laughs> over the years and over the journeys, God has shaped me into an intercessor, one who prays on behalf of others. And at the same time as he shaped me into one who prays, he's also shaped me through the powerful prayers of others. For me, the discipleship school of prayer started in my early 20s. I moved from the Bible Belt to Varna, Bulgaria as a missionary. Not long after the Berlin Wall came down, we were so excited. We get to share the good news of Jesus. And the city we moved to was pretty much controlled by the Russian mafia. The people were incredibly suspicious foreigners. And the culture was very dark. It was an oppressed place. It was such hard ground. As a mission team, we fought depression and despair. It was the perfect boot camp to learn spiritual warfare. I remember crying out to God for someone to disciple me in intercession. I was visiting England, and I went uh, we were at a spiritual renewal conference, and I, I went to a session by an English vicar on prayer and intercession. I thought, I need something. I need help. He invited, after he spoke, he invited us to come forward for anointing to pray. And I went forward, and the Holy Spirit filled me when he prayed for me. I think in that moment, God deposited in me and gave me spiritual gifts to be able to minister in the ways he had called me to. I believe I received spiritual gifts. I received the gift of faith. I received the gift of intercession. I received the gift of prophecy. I received a prayer language. God met me in my place of need. 
And the Lord began to train me in prayer. I learned to pray all sorts of prayer. Ephesians 6 says, and pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers. That was my theme verse at the time. I prayed in my prayer language. I travailed. I prayer walked the city. I prayed over my little family. I prayed for every unbeliever by name as often as I could. I sent out prayer letters. The Lord raised up other people who I knew were praying for God to move in our city. And the Lord heard our prayers. And we started to see more of heaven in the city he had called us to. I remember the moment, y'all, I just love remembering back, but I remember the moment when the first person came to Christ. My friend Bella was a Romania, a Romanian, and when she, when the moment when she realized that Jesus came for her, it was such a glorious moment. And then there was a guy that was a bouncer at one of the local nightclubs, Yvonne, that gave his life to Jesus. And then the radio station allowed for Bulgarian worship music to be prayed. And I knew that all of those breakthrough beginnings were fruits of my prayers. I think in that season, I grew in walking in the power and authority that I'd been given as a child of God. I began to think of myself as a gatekeeper in the house of God, one who prayed so that others could have access to the kingdom of God. And y'all, I'm pretty passionate about this. (laughs) I was gonna say that the Lord, he just has continued to grow a passion in me for bringing the kingdom of God through prayer. So let's talk a little bit about being gatekeepers. My main thing this morning is that we have been given power and authority to be gatekeepers in the house of the Lord. Church, rise up and pray. I feel like his heart is to encourage us today. Strengthen us and fill us so that we can stand strong, so that we can be awake and alert in the calling that we have to bring heaven to earth through our prayers. Psalm 84 is a psalm that reflects my heart. It's a song of the gatekeepers. I'm going to read from um, Psalm 84, starting in verse 10. A single day in your courts is better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the homes of the wicked. For the Lord God is our sun and our shield He gives us grace and glory. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. O Lord of heaven's armies, what joy for those who trust in you. So let's dig in a bit. I want to dig in a bit and ask a few questions. The psalm was sung by the gatekeepers. What's the story of the gatekeepers that this psalm is written about? You've probably never looked into this. It says it's a psalm of the descendants of Korah. And I want to tell you a little bit 
about Korah and the descendants because I think it helps us understand the perspective of the psalmist. And the story, I'm not going to read it all, but it's in number 16 if you want to go back later and look at it. But I'm just going to summarize it. Korah was a Levite priest who conspired against Moses and Aaron, and he rebelled against the Lord. He was angry that he wasn't the high priest and that he wasn't chosen to go to the most high place. Moses pleaded for him to back down, but he didn't. He actually rallied others up against their leadership. And they met at the gate of the tabernacle, and when the presence of God showed up, it says that the earth opened up and swallowed Korah and the other rebels and all their possessions, and it closed up on top of them. Whoa. But there's a redemption piece, even to this story. It says that later in Numbers that his sons, uh, his sons did not die. The sons of Korah did not die. They were spared. And not only did they not die, but they were given back their God-ordained place in the community. By David's time, years later, they were the gatekeepers of the tabernacle. So the tabernacle was the tent that they met in when they didn't have an actual structure. It says that they kept the thresholds of the tent as their fathers had, that they were in charge of the camp of the Lord and keepers of the entrance. And it says in 1 Chronicles 9, 17 through 32, it says that there were 212. There were a lot of gatekeepers. I'm like trying to imagine how that was possible, how big it was. But there were 212 gatekeepers signed. They were reliable. They were trustworthy. And they were keepers of the entrance. And they were responsible to guard the house 24-7. It says that they were responsible for the rooms and the treasuries of the house of God. And it says that they spent the night in the house of God so that in the morning they could open the gates. They marveled at the glory of the Lord. They were humbled that they had the privilege of opening the doors to the house of the Lord. And I, I imagine they knew the story of their ancestors. It sounds like from the psalm that they were so satisfied to be in close proximity to the presence of Yahweh. And so they raised up a song that this place in the courts, it's incredible. It's better than anywhere else. Here in the courts of Yahweh, they felt the warmth and the light of his presence. They were secure in the safety of his shielding defense. They saw their position as one of high honor and favor from God himself. They had full confidence if they walked uprightly after their God, he would give them all the good things that they needed. They saw how blessed they were as they trusted the Lord of hosts. They were thankful for the grace of God that they were spared from the judgment of their forefathers. So that was under the old covenant. Now let's bring this picture through the lens of Jesus and the new covenant. Hebrews 8 talks about the new tabernacle and it says that Jesus ministers in the heavenly tabernacle beside the throne of God in heaven. It says that the old tabernacle, it was just a shadow of what was to come. 
under this new covenant and the sacrifice of Jesus, we all get to boldly enter his presence. I'm going to read from Hebrews 10, 19 through 22. And so, dear brothers and sisters, we boldly enter heaven's most holy place because of the blood of Jesus. By his death, Jesus opened a new and life-giving way through the curtain into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us go right into the presence of God with sincere hearts, fully trusting him. For our guilty conscience, they've been sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, and our bodies have been washed with pure water. And then 2 Corinthians 6.16 says, For we are the temple of the living God. Those who are in Christ are seated with him in heavenly places. Under the new covenant, we're all the dwelling place of his presence. We're all carriers of his presence. So if the tabernacle and that setup in the Old Testament was a shadow of our new reality, let's talk about what being a gatekeeper might be under the new covenant. What does it mean to be a gatekeeper? What am I talking about when I say that I'm a gatekeeper in the house of God? Let's go back to Psalm 84. A single day in your courts are better than a thousand anywhere else. I would rather be a gatekeeper in the house of my God than live the good life in the home of the wicked. So the first thing about gatekeepers, this is for all of us, y'all, is that gatekeepers abide in the presence of God. The authority comes out of intimacy with Jesus. We need to know his heart and respond to him. And to do that, we have to spend time in his presence. We need to commune with the Trinity, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. We were created by God for relationship and communion with him. And Jesus, he modeled that so well when he was on the earth. He sought out conversation with the Lord. He prayed. He listened to the Father. And he only did what the Father told him to do. These moments with him, they knit our hearts with God. They transform our perspectives. They renew our minds. I'm always changed when I'm in his presence. We had a word and we were praying before service and I think this word had been coming to my head this week, but it's a recalibration. When we're in the presence of God, recalibrated. We need that. I don't know about y'all, but like I need it like really frequently. <laughs> Just sharing like what happens in his presence. I remember a season that I was really struggling with depression. I really didn't see how my circumstances were ever going to get any better. And I didn't know how I was going to be able to go on. 
And I was in a worship service. I was on the ground. Someone I didn't even know came over to me and had a prophetic word about God lifting my despair and clothing me with joy. And something shifted in me. A dark cloak was lifted off of me. And the presence of God transformed me in that moment. That was a pretty dramatic encounter. But these encounters are daily for us. I'm a part of a weekly prayer group with some other moms here at Antioch. And week after week, the Lord meets us. He calibrates us. And he directs our prayers. We always start with a little bit of worship and getting into his presence. And in that moment, we lay our agendas down. We move from our own thoughts and we engage in partnering with him for his will and his heart for our kids. He does this for us throughout the day as we abide in him. As we turn, just throughout the day as we turn to him. And remember that he dwells in us. He recalibrates us. As we spend time with him, we see him and we hear him more clearly. Verse 11 says, For the Lord God is our sun and our shield. He gives us grace and glory. So through prayer, gatekeepers guard and protect the presence of God. The gatekeepers of the tabernacle were responsible for guarding the house of the Lord, for being sure nothing unclean came in, for protecting the rooms and the treasuries of God. What are we guarding from and what are we protecting? We have an enemy. He's prowling around. He's seeking to kill, steal, and destroy. Sometimes his attacks are blatant, but other times they're really subtle. His, his lies, they, sometimes they slip in like little weeds in the soil of our heart and they take root. We have to be on the alert and diligent in guarding our hearts. We've been given favor and authority from God to guard the presence and the treasures he's placed in us. Where are we gatekeepers? I think that biggest assignment in gatekeeping is over our hearts and our minds. Being careful about what's coming in. We renew our minds daily in our quiet times. It's like we take out the garbage every day. We do this throughout our days when we're hit with lies. Often we need each other. Very often we need each other to guard and protect there's those days that I'm in a funk and I can't shake it. I feel paralyzed by a lie or fear. And I know rationally I shouldn't be, but I am. And those are the times we reach out. We call someone. Maybe it's the person you are in discipleship with, someone in your life group. But we do that for one another. We ask for prayer. And y'all, God comes. He protects what he's put in us. We're gatekeepers in our families. We're on the alert for our family members, protecting one another from the schemes of the enemy to lure us into temptation. Jesus said, pray, keep us from temptation, deliver us from evil. 
We're gatekeepers in this church. As members of this body, we're together the temple of God. We have the authority to pray the shield of God over this church. I just want to shout out to the gatekeepers that meet on Wednesday morning. They meet in the prayer room. They do this every week. And they have anointing and authority from God to join with Jesus in interceding for this church. It's powerful, y'all. God does something. I think of it sometimes like a sci-fi movie of just like this supernatural shield that God puts around us as we pray. We're gatekeepers in the spheres of influences God has given us, in our workplaces, in our neighborhoods, in our schools. If the presence of God dwells in me, it goes with me wherever I go. I can't talk about prayer and intercession without talking about the Holy Spirit. <laughs> I have a drinking problem. Not really mom and dad if you're watching. Um, <laughs> the Holy Spirit is our great helper in prayer. He alerts us when. He helps us know how to pray. It was a big moment for me when I got that feeling of the Holy Spirit because I needed it. I couldn't do it on my own. Jesus gave us that gift. I like to think of myself, and if you're a mom, you get this, but I am like feel like I'm on call. All my kids have emergency access to me. And when I sleep, I feel like I'm on call all the time for them. And I've worked actually as a nurse, as an on-call nurse, which basically means they could call me anytime in the night and I would go out and see somebody. But I, I invite that from the Lord. I am on call for the Lord. 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I want him to wake me up. And you know, that, I mean, that's got a little bit of a hard thing to say sometimes. I like to sleep, but I want him to alert me when I need to pray. And he does this. He does this, y'all. I, I had a dream. I remember having, I, I do, I wake up and have dreams and I know to get up and pray. And I had a dream one time, a friend of mine, she was in a, I hadn't seen her in years and she was being care flighted. She was in labor and, and I just sensed she was in danger and her baby was in danger. So I got up and prayed. I interceded for her life, for the life of that baby. And you know, Jesus was already interceding for her. But he invited me to be a part of that. And I got to be a part of the story of her life being saved and her baby's life being saved because the Holy Spirit invited me to. We learn to respond to his nudges. He taps us. He wakes us up. He wakes us up in the day. Y'all, we sleep as much in the day as we sleep at night sometimes. We have to be awakened by him. I've learned to say yes to his promptings. One of the other ways that we guard and protect God's presence is with the keys of the kingdom that we've been given. Reading from Matthew 16, 19, I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven. Whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. 
I love this verse. It's like my favorite tool. Um, <laughs> if you pray, I've prayed with a lot of you in different prayer circumstances. Y'all are like, probably, Aaron always binds and looses things. She always forbids things and releases things. I, it's literally like, I, I take these keys. They're with me. I take them everywhere I go because they're powerful. They work. God gave them to us. Because Jesus has already done the work on the cross and we're his children, we have this authority to bind on earth what's been bound in heaven and to release, to bind, yeah, to, to bind, yes, and to release on earth what's been released in heaven. So how does this practically look in my life? So I'm, I work as a hospice nurse, and that means I take care of people at the very end of their life. And often at my job, as you might can imagine, I encounter a lot of anxiety. There's a, a, even a term that we use um, at the end of life called terminal anxiety. And that's like exponential anxiety as someone is, someone's kind of going from this life to the next life. So it's often very challenging to get under control. And when someone's in that place, it often results in the whole household being very anxious and one night in the middle of the night, I was called out to go try to help a patient and their family. And I was training another nurse that night and, and we got to the house and it was just, it was just chaos. It was so anxious. And I asked the family if I could pray. And I, I, I do this. I pretty much always ask. If they say no, I don't, I don't pray. My boss gave me permission to ask if I could pray. <laughs> So I asked if I could pray, and they were very receptive. And I prayed very simply, Father, we bind anxiety in Jesus' name, and we release the peace of Christ in this home. And the peace of God settled in that room like a blanket. The nurse I was training, she was an atheist. And as we drove away, she said to me, I don't know what you just did, but you got to teach me that trick. It's powerful, y'all. We've been given authority. In my mind, gatekeeping in my mind might look like binding apathy today and releasing perseverance and tenacity. I bind shame. I release freedom. I bind hopelessness and despair, and I release joy. In my home, it might be, I bind division. I release unity. I bind fear. I release love. I bind confusion. I release clarity. It's simple, but it's powerful, y'all, to guard the presence of God. Through prayer, this is my last point. Through prayer, gatekeepers open the gate for people to encounter God. And y'all, I'm so excited about this part. I love it. My most common prayer when I'm on the move in my daily life is the one that Jesus taught his disciples. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And something in the last year I've been doing, which I think is super 
important is that I pause after that and I ask God, what do you want to do? You see, prayer isn't just talking. There's a big part of prayer that's listening. I make it a practice to ask him, how, how do you want to bring heaven right here through me? Show me what you're doing. And oftentimes he'll, he'll highlight a person. Sometimes he'll give me a prophetic word or a prayer to pray. I want to share a couple more stories. So when I was in Croatia several years ago, as I prayed in our city, as I walked and prayed, there was a name that kept coming to my mind, and I didn't think anything of it at first. Like I just was like, oh, that's a pretty name. But then I clued in, and I asked the Lord if he wanted to say something about this. And I felt like he wanted me to pray that Dahlia would be saved. And so I started to pray. And about two months into praying for her, I got a call from a friend of mine that was on vacation at the coast, and she told me that she'd met a lady named Dahlia from our city at the beach who was a Jew by birth and who was seeking Jesus. And she had her phone number, and could I call her? I called her, and I invited her to our life group, and she ended up giving her life to Jesus. And then a recent story not long ago, I was working out, and the father, and, and like, I, I pray this everywhere I go. I pray it. When I walk into the gym, I'm like, let your kingdom come. Let me bring heaven here. And so recently, I was praying that, and the father whispered to me something he loved about the trainer. Y'all, and I, this is risky. I'm not going to, I'm not like, I'm really, the boldness comes from the Holy Spirit. I'm as timid in the flesh as any of you guys are. So he gave me a word, and then she starts approaching me, which she never had approached me before. She comes, start walking over to me, and I'm like, okay, Lord, I'm going to share with her. And so I shared with her how the father showed me that he saw her. And she started to cry. And she said that she had never had anyone say anything so kind to her. And the prayer that I prayed and the prophetic word that I share cracked the door open for her to see a father that loves her deeply and wants relationship with her. Learn to listen to the nudges of the Spirit. It's fun. We get to partner with the Lord. We've been given power and authority to be gatekeepers in his house Let's do it. Let's rise up. I love that we sang that this morning. Let's rise up in response to his invitation to bring heaven to earth through our prayers. Gatekeepers abide in the presence of God. Through prayer, gatekeepers guard and protect the presence of God. And through prayer, gatekeepers open the gate for people to encounter God. I'm honored to be a gatekeeper in the house of God. And then I love verse 12. There's a promise there. And I'm holding on to this. The Lord will withhold no good thing from those who do what is right. What joy for those who trust in you. The more and more I pray to him and he moves on my behalf, the more I trust him. And the more his joy is made complete in me.
So what are some, just want to give a few practicals as you're just thinking. I hope the Holy Spirit has encouraged you in some way today. But what are some practical things? Eric and I this year, we really felt the Lord say, create more spaces and times to pray. Y'all, we need like rhythms. It's not natural. There's resistance. Like the enemy doesn't want us to pray because power comes when we pray. So there's resistance. So for me and Eric, we felt like we need, we need to set aside some times and we need some accountability. We got to tell some other people we're going to pray at these times because we, we got to be encouraged to keep, keep in this place. So I want to give some ideas some that we've had this year, and also some invitations. You probably know some of these things happen every week. But um, ideas to create time and space to pray. So, and it can be simple. Just take one step of faith. Just one, make a little space for the Lord. Pick one lunch a week to fast and pray. Come to Monday corporate prayer at noon. Join us in your lunch hour. Come on Wednesday mornings. I'm going to give a plug for Wednesday mornings, Jesus hour. It's like my favorite hour of the week. I don't usually feel like getting out of bed, but I'm always thankful that I was there. Women's prayer, 1030 Wednesday mornings. Establish a 30-minute weekly time to pray over your home with your spouse or roommate. We've done this this year. We've been consistent in this one time each week of really praying over all of our children in our home. Prayer walk, weekly in your neighborhood. Y'all, we had a powerful encounter. We were prayer walking last night on our block. Like just five minutes. We just prayed over every house. We encountered, we have some Armenian neighbors that we've never connected with well. We had like a 30-minute conversation right after we prayer walked. It unlocks, opens the gate. Put posting notes on your mirror of friends that you're opening the gate for. Ask God for names. Maybe you're a new mama. Pray in those times when you're nursing or feeding your baby. Spend five minutes. Just spend five minutes at the beginning of every life group lifting up a missionary and the nation they serve in. I said, just spend five minutes. If you want to spend an hour, you spend an hour. I don't want to limit anyone. And then I just want to invite you, because we're doing it today, and we're having prayer right after church for the nations. Y'all, and I know it from living over there. Every time there would be a prayer meeting, like a bunch of people coming together, there would be a push forward in the spirit. Like, it matters that we join with our people that are here in prayer. So we're going to be meeting over in the middle school room. Come in, even if you can only come for 10 or 15 minutes. Come and join us in prayer. I love you guys. God is for us. And we're partnering with him. Our prayers bring the kingdom of God. So I want everybody to stand up. Worship team and ministry, come forward. I had a picture earlier this week as I was praying of just, just gatekeepers down on the ground. Some of them were all the way on the ground. They were weary. They were wounded. Others were just kind of slumped over. They were sleepy. And, and I saw Jesus coming and strengthening and giving them courage, lifting their heads, 
That might be you. Maybe you need the Lord to restore you or encourage your heart or heal a place in you. Maybe a place of discouragement. Maybe there's a place you prayed for a long time and you didn't see the answer to prayer that you wanted or that you hoped for. Others of you might be hungry for a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Maybe you want gifts of faith, intercession, prophecy. Whatever you're coming with, the Father gives abundantly as we ask. This is the time, if you need prayer in any area, to come forward and our ministry team will pray for you.